okay, let's marry this troll. I don't know. Listeners, <laughs> Jake's face was like so <laughs> was so repulsed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brigham Young, I think, was definition of a troll. And I don't think women really wanted to marry him. They were forced to marry him. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they were like, ooh, give me some of that. Ooh, Brigham. Pie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a little slice of that little teapot <laughs> shortens down. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this, this episode's getting uh, squeamish for me. Um, between the bird <laughs> stuff and then. The birth and Brigham Young's peen. I just can't. Yeah, you went there. You brought up his peen. Thanks. Well, I mean... <laughs> can you... Okay, can we also talk about how it was like the 1800s and like you don't... You know, didn't bathe very much and like... Mm-mm. He was like sweaty and hairy. So and, stinky. I, like everyone I'm sure was stinky, every- but I bet he was stinkier. Yeah, he was like extra... Yeah, extra smelly with that big old long beard that was probably unwashed. Mm-hmm. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Hello and welcome to Not So Peter Priesthood. This is your host Jake Taylor. Uh, right off the bat, I always have to remember to tell you to review, rate, review, and subscribe. I always forget that one. But um, also, you can reach me at notsopeterpriesthood at gmail.com. Um, that's a good way to send your stories if you want them read on the mini-sos or um, if you have, if you love me, then send me a love letter. And if you hate me, send me a hate letter. I don't care. Um, I'll probably just send you a hate bit letter back. So, um, and then you can also find me at on Instagram at not so Peter Priesthood. That is all one word, no spaces. Not so Peter Priesthood. <laughs> um, so we have for the guest today is 50% of the Not So Molly Mormon podcast, the motherland, the my sister podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Big sister. <laughs> Katie. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me. I must say it feels weird being a guest like without my other half, Sarah, because it's normally me and her. So I'm like waiting uh-huh. for her to say something. <laughs> But I'm happy to be back. Yeah. <laughs> and she's always welcome back, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I could be Sarah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know we have it. You have it like memorized, probably. Welcome back, the... you guys. <laughs> so I don't cute. have the titties for that, but you know, mm. it's fine. <laughs> You're working on it. You're getting there. Yeah, I am. I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, Hi, Sarah. I know you're listening. We love you, titties. Sarah, we love you. <laughs> Uh, you and your beautiful, like, British husband and your beautiful German life and, uh, anyway, whatever. We love you. <laughs> Jake's not jealous at all. No, not at all. Uh, anyway, we love um, our K 
Katie. That's a fiery sunset, the Arizona uh, beautiful sunbird. <laughs> like the nicest compliment ever. I've never been called a sunbird. I'm gonna take it and run with it. Flatter <laughs> <Glad to> me. <laughs> Tell me more. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh Katie is usually the one that's all prepared. We were talking about this before we started recording, and um this time we're flipping the wait, what is the flipping the Flipping the switch, switching flipping the flip, the, uh, flipping the script. Maybe? Yeah, that, yeah, and I'm turning the table. Either the turns have tabled, and um, <laughs> <laughs> Katie was just told to come and be cute and precious and oh. responsive as <laughs> usual, and then um, I'm supposed to be the prepared one. Uh, but you know yeah Jake messaged me and asked me to be on, and I was like, oh yes, I'm so honored. What do I need to prepare? And he was like. Nothing, and I'm like, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I always prepare something. <laughs> I, Ralph, is it Ralph? I'm in danger. I'm in danger. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I'm very excited, but it's just like uncharted territory for me to be like, okay, yep, it's all in your hands. Territory for me. I run a podcast and I'm never prepared for it. So, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's part of the charm. I have Dusty on here all the time because she's always prepared. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. She's like the most prepared person I know with all of her planners and stuff. Yeah, and I have one that's gathering dust on my <laughs> desk. Um, but <laughs> no, just I don't even have I one. use it all the time and it's great and it's color coded and perfect, just like you. Dusty. <laughs> Another shout out, Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, um, so to begin, our actual, I have a Moments with Mormons. Okay. It ties in with our topic. So mm-hmm. this is the the birth of the topic. <laughs> Sounds weird to say. <laughs> the, uh, it's an oaky oh. afterbirth. Do you watch The Office? <laughs> no. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. In the office, there's, okay, listeners, any listeners who listen to The Office, or not listen to, watch The Office, you'll know this quote. Michael Scott's up there at a dinner party, and they open their wine, and he takes a sip of wine, and he goes, mmm, it has an oaky afterbirth. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry, sidetrack. Title of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or title of your sex tape. (laughs) Oh, God, ew. (laughs) Do you watch, that's from uh, Brooklyn the Nine-Nine. Look at us oh, shouting yeah, yeah. out. I know. We're just giving them all the free. They, they need ads from us. No one ever watches those yeah. shows. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. What was the birth of this? What was <laughs> the conception? If uh-huh. you will. Um, so now I forgot. Let, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, so the, uh, I work at Barnes Noble. However, listeners, comma, Wait, however, comma, listeners. Anyway, whatever. Um, however, I got a new job, and I am going to be a a big boy job at an administrative assistant at a lo- local college here. Woo! That's very exciting. Brand, like, updated information, so I'm not going to be little retail ugh, or server and all that. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Enough of that. Um, but I, my last week at Barnes Noble is this week. But I am, and by the time you listen to this, I will be on to my bigger and better things. Nice. But anyway, uh, that is all to say. I have, I was one of my coworkers. I've talked about her before, I think. Um, 
I won't say her name, but uh, she is a student at BYU-Idaho. And we were talking, she just, we talk like random shit all the time, like about, she'll be like, show me these books that are like really pretty or whatever, you know, and she just like talks, like she's just all over the place. <laughs> and there was this one, one day I was talking to her and she was saying, I can't remember why she, but she brought up uh, banned books, like, um, oh yeah, uh huh, books that are banned. And um, she was saying that, uh, what was, okay, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but she said that she's like, so it's weird to me that BYU Idaho will carry, uh, won't carry uh, this band book. I can't remember which one she mentioned, but then she said, but they'll carry Sherlock Holmes. And I was like, what? Sherlock Holmes is banned? And she's like, well, there's the book that's all about the Mormons. The The first book is all about the Mormons. And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, and, then, and I was, um, it's done. So then we, we hunted down like the complete works of Sherlock Holmes at the bookstore. And sure enough, opened it up and there was Sherlock Holmes, A Study in Scarlet is all about Mormons. Okay, this is so crazy you brought this up because <laughs> a few episodes ago, shout out to Sarah again, because she did like what you're basically doing now. She decided to um, basically research the whole episode and she did Mormons in pop culture. And this came up where she was like, oh, really? um, the Sherlock Holmes series. And I, I, we were both so confused. Like, I didn't even know that he wrote about Mormons or, you know, that that author was writing about Mormons Sir in terms Arthur of Conan Doyle. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's funny that you bring that up because we were both like <laughs> confounded. Like, wait, we haven't heard of this. Yeah. That's did interesting. You, did you talk any more about it or was this all No, it was just kind of like a <laughs> Yeah. It was a list of like all these different Mormon pop culture references uh, and many of them I didn't know. So um yeah. Interesting. Oh, I haven't listened to that episode yet, I don't think. Or is that released yet? Or is it um, yeah, but it, it's a newer one. So. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. I need to get caught up. I'm sorry. Um, oh, you're in so much trouble. <laughs> I've been <laughs> listening to an Audible book that's been taking up my time. <clears throat> anyway. Um, <laughs> so, let's see. Um, so, our topic today is about Sherlock Holmes and his and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and his um, anti-Mormon rhetoric. And he, oh, my he, God. This is so but, perfect. This is so perfect. <laughs> I've been curious about it, but I didn't listen to it. Nice. All right. All right. So let's see. Let me get to my research. Research. Um, so I actually have the full. Ooh. So let's see. I have the Spark Notes that is because um, kind of like a little brief summary of everything. So part one uh opens up in the late 1800s um and it talks about dr john watson and so this is the first book the very first book of sherlock holmes by the way wow wow okay yeah so um and it's called the study in scarlet and it's so dr john watson gets injured in the afghan war he turns to, returns to london and he finds a new home and bumps into a former colleague and makes the acquaintance of Sherlock Holmes. So he's, Sherlock Holmes is a friend of a friend of Dr. Watson. Okay. Okay. And then the two men rent rooms together at 221B Baker Street, which is very famous. And since Watson is in ill health and doesn't go out much, he focuses on Holmes. He notices that Holmes knows a great deal about a narrow range of topics, but is virtually ignorant of n numerous subjects. 
So, uh, Watson makes fun of an article about the powers of observation, only to learn that Holmes wrote the article and that he works as a consulting detective. Mm. Oh, no. Can I scroll down? Uh, when Scotland... Oh, no. Why, what's happening? I'm having technical difficulties. Just a second. <laughs> Please stand by. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of when on your uh, when your Johnny Lingo episodes when you're like, oh, ad, ad, ad. <laughs> oh my god, those ads. Uh, all right, so um, that's like the birth of. The, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stop saying birth. Why do I keep saying birth? <laughs> Birth is coming up way too much in this episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I be a little squeamish. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why? Seriously, come on. You're ruining my... Uh, okay. Watson and Holmes, uh, they get assigned... Oh, let's see. They meet Gregson and another detective, Lestrade. They examine the body of a dead American named Drebber. And Holmes inspects the room for clues, which he uses to determine specific details about the murderer. Okay. Murderer. Okay. Murderer. So that's, uh, if you haven't read Sherlock Holmes, which I have not, I just have seen the movies because Robert Downey Jr., those are the ones that I've seen. Yeah. He's a sexy, sexy man. And so. <laughs> You're a Downey fan. <laughs> yes, I am. Give me that. Uh, uh, What's his name? Why can't I think of Iron Man's name? Um, um, it's escaping me. The fuck? What's happening? Okay, I'm. It's the. All right, just a second. Let's see. I'm having. Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Yeah, listeners yeah. are probably like, "What the fuck? Are you really? Are you a fan, or are you just like, no? I just want to like do things to him." Yeah, you're That's like, fine. I just like how he looks in that suit. Okay, get yeah. off me. <laughs> In the suit, out the suit, I don't care. But really, <laughs> but <laughs> oh god, America. But anyway, now we're getting way off. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so I guess we'll just I don't know. Listeners, we had some technical difficulties, so I don't know. If we're gonna, I don't know. Katie can edit stuff. I'll edit stuff. Anyway. Um, and you'll probably edit that stuff out. Of you. But anyway, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> anyway, so where were we? We were talking about <laughs> uh, Tobias Gregson asks Holmes to help in solving a mysterious death. Um, and then Sherlock Holmes uses his uh, powers to his observation to, uh, let's see, to get detect details about the murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. That's Watson and Holmes leave the house and visit the constable who discovered the body. They learn that a drunk man was the only bystander. Holmes deduces that this man was actually the murderer who had come back for the wedding ring found at the scene of the crime. Ooh. Hoping to catch the murderer, Holmes places an ad in the paper for the lost ring. That night, an old woman arrives to claim the ring. Holmes follows her, but loses her trail, telling Watson that she was really a young man in disguise. Ooh. The next day, news of the murder fills the paper, and Watson and Holmes read that Drebber had been traveling with the secretary, Stangerson, but both men disappeared. Gregson arrives at the flat and announces that he has just arrested a man for Drebber's murder, the son of the landlady of the boarding house where Drebber stayed. Drebber stayed. Oh, my God. So, it's... 
it's getting really convoluted and can um Gregson adds that Drebber, who often drank to excess, had been thrown out of the boarding house for making advances on the landlady's daughter, and the son had followed him so naturally, he must have killed Drebber. Mm. This is where, let's see, part two. Let's see. So, uh, Holmes explains that he knows the identity of the murderer, but still needs to locate him. Moments later, a cab arrives for Holmes. When the driver comes upstairs, Holmes handcuffs him. The men foil the prisoner's escape, escape efforts and plan to take him to Scotland Yard. So that's part one, okay? okay. So kind of there's this murder and all that stuff. So and then part two uh, opens in the American West in 1847. Oh, ooh, yeah, just a few years after J Dog was moited. <laughs> <laughs> moited. <laughs> uh, let's see, and just so Brigham Young is the um profit at the time and that's going to come up here in a minute a starving man oh. journeys across a barren desert he stops and sets down his bundle a young girl so this guy a starving man is yeah he's crossing the desert with a young girl they're the okay. only survivors of a party of 21 immigrants but they have now run out of food and water after they fall asleep expecting to die an enormous caravan of mormon travel travelers appears mm. Yeah, this is where it's getting good. So the Mormons discover the man and girl who are John Ferrier and his adopted daughter, Lucy. The Mormon leader, Brigham Young, offers Ferrier and Lucy refuge as long as they adopt their religion. Oh, of course. We'll of course, save right? you, but you have to give me your money, essentially. Give yeah. me your tithing money and probably let me marry your little step, oh. your adopted daughter. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you have you read this? <laughs> no, did I just spoiler it? I mean, I think I know I my Brigham, my Brigham Young pretty well, unfortunately. I know, he's pretty predictable. Um, with his, how many wives did he have? 50, Like 40. 50, 55 or 53 or something like that? Yeah. Like 40, 53. For too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you even keep track? I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know 54 people. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, not at once. <laughs> I know. Like, all at once, you got to, like, keep track of everything, all their schedules, everything. Whatever. Yeah. He obviously didn't care. He would just show up and do whatever he wanted. Thanks. Bastard. <laughs> dirty, dirty man. And... I also, wasn't he, like, short and, like, I just, I just, I don't know. I know there's, short like. Short and stout and, like, yeah. very hairy, which is Ew. fine. It's like, <laughs> okay, let's marry this troll. I don't know. Listeners, <laughs> Jake's face was, like, so bad. <laughs> he was so repulsed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brigham Young, I think, was definition of a troll. And I don't think women really wanted to marry him. They were forced to marry him. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they were like, ooh, give me some of that. Ooh, Brigham. Pie. <laughs> a little slice of that little teapot. <laughs> Short and stout. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this, this episode's getting uh, squeamish for me. Um, between the birth <laughs> stuff and then... The Brigham birth Young, right. and Brigham Young's peen. I just can't. Yeah, you went there. You brought up his peen. Thanks. Well, I mean. <laughs> can you, okay, can we also talk about how it was like the, 
1800s and like you don't no, I didn't bathe very much and like Mm-mm. he was like sweaty and hairy so and stinky I, like everyone I'm sure was stinky every- but I bet he was stinkier yeah he was like extra yeah extra smelly with that big old long beard that was probably unwashed mm-hmm. <laughs> ew ew <sighs> now I just ugh, I have nightmares it's fine um <laughs> You know, you know, so if you're ever, now I know what to do when I don't want to, you know, ejaculate too soon. <laughs> you just imagine Brigham Young, short and stout, two kettle. His little peen is like the spout of the kettle. A little shrimp dick. <laughs> just, oh my god, this is peeking out of the bush. <laughs> and that's a mood killer for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm flaccid. Anyway, yeah. um <laughs> Wow. This is podcast anyway. gold. <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> dying right now. I didn't realize that we could go here. Oh, anyway. All right. So, hmm, we are back in uh, Sherlock Holmes land, um, but really America, the American West. And keep in mind that this is written by Sir Conan, Arthur Conan Doyle, who's a British man, and he doesn't really know much about, Amer- what he knows about America is, I'll get to that later. Anyway. Okay. Um, Twelve years pass, and Farrier and Lucy have settled. So Farrier and Lucy are the the man and the girl that were saved. Mm-hmm. They have settled outside Salt Lake City, a city built and populated by the Mormons. Farrier owns a prosperous prosperous farm. Lucy is a beautiful young woman. She and Jefferson Hope, a miner and pioneer, fall in love. But Hope okay. has to leave town for two months. While Hope is gone. The Mormon leader oh, no. announces that Lucy must wed the son of one of the Mormon elders. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> but he'll oh. grant her one month to choose which son. <laughs> so you get a month to choose which of these. Okay, gross. <laughs> you, can't, you can't marry the man that you love, though. So no. Uh, no. To marry one of the Mormon elders. Uh, not wanting Lucy to marry a Mormon, Farrier immediately sends a message to Hope. So the the guy that's uh, Jefferson Hope. Mm-hmm. The same day, two young men, Drebber and Stangerson. So Drebber, remember that's the one, the guy that was killed in. Yeah. The, okay. Uh, present their case to Farrier. They argue over who has a greater claim to Lucy, and Farrier orders them to leave. Yeah, get away from my daughter, you yeah. Mormon weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, at the end of the month, Hope finally comes to the rescue. Uh, I, every time I hear Hope, I just think of a woman, so I'm just going to start going to call him Jefferson. Cause that's okay. Just, not that there's anything wrong with it being a woman coming in, and like that would be, be really cool. That would be a nice little twist. That would like be nice. Woman, like yeah. Jefferson, yeah, Hope. And, anyway. <laughs> But no, no, we don't get that little. Um, <laughs> Farrier and Lucy flee with Jefferson. They evade the Mormon sentries posted around Farrier's farm and make it to the base of the mountains, where Hope has animals waiting to carry them to safety. They soon run out of food. When Jefferson run, returns from hunting, he finds the camp empty. Oh, no. 
he finds Farrier's freshly dug grave nearby <gasps> and realizes Ooh. the Mormons have taken Lucy back to Salt Lake City. So they killed her father and took her back to Salt Lake? Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, I know this is fiction, but under Brigham Young's rule, this isn't, like, that far-fetched. Yeah, it tracks. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'll get to, yeah, okay, so... Um, Vowing vengeance, Jefferson retraces his path and arrives at Salt Lake City the day after Lucy has been wed to Drebber. So she's married to Drebber. <gasps> okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. She dies a month later, and Jefferson visits her body, taking the wedding ring from her finger. Do you remember there's a wedding ring that yeah. Sherlock Holmes found? Okay. How did she die? Um, I don't know. Okay, maybe it's not important. <laughs> Uh, probably not. I don't. Okay. I don't know. Um, maybe I don't. I don't know. Let's see. Jefferson retreats to the mountains and attempts to kill Drebber and Stangerson, but he fails and retreats to retreats to Nevada. When Jefferson returns five years later, Drebber and Stangerson have left the community. Jefferson travels around the country in search of the men. Many years later, he spots Drebber in Ohio, which is also another place of Mormonism. Um, Kirtland. Kirtland, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, good lovey. Um, good lovey. What, what, what am I saying? Good lovey. Good lovey. You're very British right now. <laughs> uh, but Drebber hopes, uh, reports Jefferson to the police as a dangerous man, and Jefferson is arrested. By the time Jefferson is set free, Drebber and Stangerson, who now works as Drebber's secretary, have le- have fled to Europe. In time, Jefferson catches up with them in London. Okay. So the narrative then returns to Scotland Yard where Hope uh, Jefferson makes a statement explaining how he killed Drebber and Stangerson for their role in Ferrier and Lucy's deaths. Jefferson Jefferson explains that he picked up a drunk Drebber the night... Drunk Drebber. That's... (laughs) A drunk Drebber the night Drebber... Oh my... Who broke this? I drunk Drebber, the night Drebber. <laughs> and took him to the vacant house in Brixton, where Jefferson revealed his identity. Jefferson then forced Drebber... I'm saying Drebber a lot, too. Oh, my God. Anyway, Jefferson then forced Drebber to pick one of two pills while he swallowed the other. Drebber died of poison. Jefferson next tried to do the same to Stangerson in Stangerson's hotel room, but he had to stab Stangerson in self-defense. Soon after giving a statement before he he was tried for his crimes, Jefferson dies of a ruptured aneurysm. Later, I know. Poor Jefferson. I know. This has been horrible for him. Uh, later, Holmes explains to Watson how he made the deductions that led to Jefferson's capture. In awe, Watson suggests Holmes publish his account, but the story is already in the paper with credit given to Gregson and Lestrade, uh-huh. who are the other they're the other detectives. Uh-huh. Um, I think let's see. I think that's. I mean, let me just make sure. Yep, I'm really prepared, people. <laughs> that seems like that's the end, yeah? Yeah, I think that's it. And, um, mm, yep, this other thing goes into more detail, but that's all the detail we really need. Um, but the, yeah, so 
basically we have a story where um and i have let's see let's see if i can pull this up i have some quotes from it let's see nice okay i mean i think it's fascinating and i think that it's not very far off from how the mormons were at that time and how they would just like take possession of things like kill people that's what Brigham Young taught really um Mm -hmm. take what you want and kill who doesn't listen to you yeah and I'm sure that Mormons hate how that depicts them um but I mean it's not a lie (laughs) (laughs) so and that brings it like so that's why um when I was researching this there's a lot of articles from 2011 apparently there was like a resurgence about this that um they were like Mormons were mad about how this was how Mormons were portrayed in this. Um, <laughs> so let's see this one. This is just kind of a little like it's just weird to hear. Um, <clears throat> this is a quote from the book. It was a warm June morning and the Latter-day Saints were as busy as the bees whose hive <laughs> were chosen for their emblem. Uh, the beehive state. <laughs> yeah. if y'all didn't know that's Utah, the beehive state. Yep. In the fields and in the streets rose the same hum of human industry. Down the dusty high roads defiled long streams of heavy-laden mules all heading to the west, for the gold fever had broken out in California, and the overland route lay through the city of the elect. The city of the elect is supposed to be Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. There, too, were droves of sheep and bullocks coming in from the outlying pasture lands and trains of tired immigrants. It's interesting that they call them immigrants, which, it's, I mean, they are, but, like... But... Yeah, yeah, interesting yeah. phrase. Like I'm used to hearing pioneers. Not yeah, immigrants. Yeah. yeah. Men and horses equally weary of their interminable journey through all this motley assemblage, threading her way with the skill of an accomplished rider. There galloped Lucy Ferrier, her fair face flushed with the exercise and her long chestnut hair flowing, floating be- out behind her. She had a commission from her father in the city and was dashing in as she had done many a time before with all the fearlessness of youth, thinking <laughs> only of her task and how it was to be performed. The travel-stained adventurers gazed with her, after her in astonishment, and even the unemotional Indians, journeying in, their, in oh. with their pelties, relaxed their accustomed stoicism as they traveled, marveled at the beauty of the pale-faced maiden. LAUGHTER <laughs> Oh, okay. Got a little dash of racism in there. It's fine, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which also tracks with, you know, the tracks. <laughs> um. Oh, and then there's when she meet. That's when she meets Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And um. Let's see. At uh, this, a sinewy brown hand caught the fright. Her horse gets frightened, or whatever. A sinewy brown hand caught the frightened horse by the curb, and forcing away through the drove, soon brought her to the outskirts. You're not hurt, I hope, Miss," said the her preserver respectfully. She looked up at his dark, fierce face and laughed saucily. <laughs> "I'm awful frightened," she said na- naively. "Whoever would have thought that a poncho would have been so scared by a lot of cows?" Thank God you kept your seat, the other said earnestly. He was a tall, savage-looking young fellow, mounted on a powerful roan horse and clad in the rough dress of a hunter with a long rifle slung over his shoulders. Hmm. I guess you are the daughter of John Ferrier, he remarked. I saw you ride down from his house. When you see him, ask him if he remembers the Jefferson Hope of St. Louis. If he's the same Ferrier, my father and he were pretty thick. (laughs) Thick. (laughs) 
Yeah, he was. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. The, uh, um, just the descriptions there. He's supposed to be some, like, young hunter and, like, savagey kind of. Yeah. And she's a fair, pale-faced maiden that even the stoic Indians are marveling at. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> it feels great. I feel feel great. This is a great, you know. I feel feel good, and I don't feel squeamish at all about any of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So, oh, let's see. Uh, it's been. It's, uh, I'm trying to find this other one. Um. Because of the technical difficulties, I've lost it. Oh, it's, no. That's, where are you? Where are you? Let me see. Uh, there's. Yep, I'm super prepared. Let's see. Um. Okay, so uh, let's see. This is so she, Farrier. No, yeah, Farrier and Jefferson are talking, and Lucy's kind of there too. And um, he's. This is when uh, Jefferson is telling Farrier that he wants to marry the daughter, which Mm -hmm. is just like a few paragraphs after what I just read. So anyway. Um, so they just meet, and he's like, you're really pretty. I'm going to ask your dad if I can marry you. Yep, basically. <laughs> okay. Um, and, but then, upon this one point, your whole faith shall be tested. So it has been decided, and, oh, this is where, let's see. This is, oh, this is Brigham Young talking, too. Okay. Sorry, okay. I just that. So Br- Brigham Young is talking now. Okay. Um, unfortunately. Let's see. <laughs> Brother Farrier, he said, taking a seat and eyeing the farmer keenly from his light-colored lashes. The true believers have been good friends to you. We picked you up when you were starving in the desert. We shared our food with you, led you safe to the Chosen Valley, gave you a goodly share of land, and allowed you to wax rich under our protection. Is not this so? It is so, answered John Farrier. So this is John Farrier and Brigham Young talking. Um, Mm -hmm. In return for all this, we asked but one condition. That was you should embrace the true faith. And conform in every way to its usages. This you promise to do, and this, if you, co- if common report says truly, you have neglected. And how have I neglected it? Asked Farrier, throwing out his hands in expostulation. Jesus. Um, have I not given to the common fund? Have I not attended at the temple? Have I not? Uh, where are your wives? Asked Young, looking around him. Call them in. <gasps> Yeah. So he did everything. He he paid tithing, went to the temple, but he didn't practice polygamy. Yeah, yeah. Um, shame, shame, right? It is true that I have not married, but women are few, and there were many who had better claims than I. I was not a lonely man. I had my daughter to attend to my wants. So I like how he said the women are few, because I feel like a lot of the excuses Mormons give for polygamy is like, there were just so many women yeah. and the men were so kind to take them all on. And he, he yeah, was like, well, all the women are gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, 
it is of that daughter that I would speak to you, said the leader of the Mormons. She has grown to be the flower of Utah. And is mm. favorite. Mm-hmm. That's actually the title of this chapter, too, is the flower of Utah. Ew, grody. Um, has found favor in the eyes of many who are high in the land. John Ferrier groaned internally. Same girl, same. Same. Um, <laughs> there are stories of her, which I would fain disbelieve, stories that she is sealed to some Gentile. This must be the gossip of idle tongues. What is the 13th rule in the code of the sainted Joseph Smith? You ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, Mary... Let every maiden of the true faith marry one of the elect. If she wed a Gentile, she commits a grievous sin. This being so, it is impossible that you who profess the Holy Creed should suffer your daughter to violate it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, but it's so true, though. Like, (laughs) you don't marry someone who's high up and you don't become a polygamist wife. You marry a Gentile. That's Mm -hmm. That's a big old sin. And also... That's a sin on your father, apparently, too. Sorry, my dog. Aw. <laughs> I don't know how she got down here. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, that's the great, most grievous sin is to um, marry somebody outside of the church. Yeah, or to allow your child to marry someone outside of the church, as if you, like, own your daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ferrier made no answer, but he played nervously with his riding whip. <laughs> uh, I feel that. Okay, so <laughs> upon this one point, your whole faith shall be tested. So it's been decided in the sacred sacred council of four. I have no idea what the sacred council of four is. Is that the probably the first presidency? I guess it's the first presidency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the girl is young, and we would not have her wed gray hairs. Neither oh, okay. would. I know. <laughs> but you know what? They did, though. They did have young girls marry gray hairs. So that's a lie. But keep in mind, this is written by a. Non- I know. I know. Like, so it's like, it's just funny that he, um, like, some of the stuff he gets really accurately, and you're like, oh, yeah, that tracks. But then other times, it's like, oh. You're like, oh, you're painting them too nice right, right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brigham Young was old and gray, and he had, like, 14-year-old daughters, like, not daughters, wives, and also 14-year-old daughters. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. You nasty. He's a nasty little troll. Remember that. Okay. <laughs> Neither would we deprive her of all choice, but you are depriving her of all choice. We elders have many heifers. Heifer. Wait, what's happening? Heifers? But our children must also be provided. What? Let's, there's a footnote on that one. I'm going to click on it and see. Yeah, is he, like, calling the women that, or is he talking about actual cows? Oh, he's... Mm-hmm. Heber C. Kimball, in one of his sermons, <gasps> alludes to his that... hundred wives under this endearing epithet. Heifers. Mm, aren't they just... They're so sweet. Aren't they just great men of God? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably like once you pass age 24 and you no longer weigh 100 pounds, you're probably considered a heifer. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Stangerson has a son and Drebber has a son, and either of them would gladly welcome your daughter to their house. Let her choose between them. They are young and rich under the true faith. What say you to that? Okay. I hate this, too, because this is a lot 
um, I feel like this happens a lot in other ways in the church where it's like, we give you a choice, but it's just between one of two things, or you don't really have a choice. It's like, if you choose the quote unquote wrong, wrong thing, you're punished. So you don't yeah. really have a choice. It's kind of like blackmail and coercion. Uh-huh. Really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <sighs> Don't we feel great? This is, anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Farrier uh, remained silent for some little time with his brows knitted. You will give us time, he said at last. My daughter is very young. She is scarce of an age to marry. She shall have a month to choose, said Young, rising from a seat. At the end of that time, she shall give her answer. Oh, yeah. Well, in true Brigham form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Threaten them. Yeah. He was passing through the door when he turned with flushed face and flashing eyes. It was better for you, John Ferrier. Oh, John Ferrier, he thundered, that you and she were now lying blanched skeletons upon the Sierra Blanco than that you should put your weak wills against the orders of the Holy Four. Oh, my God. I mean, I kind of love it because it takes it how it really is. I mean, I hate it, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that there's a reason why the Mormons don't like it is because it's the inaccurate depiction mm-hmm. uh, with a threatening gesture of his hand he turned from the door and Farrier heard his heavy steps scrunching along the shingly path <laughs> he was still sitting with his elbows upon his knees considering how he should broach the matter to his daughter when a soft hand was laid upon his and looking up he saw her standing beside him one glance at her pale frightened face showed him that she had heard what had passed I could not help it she said in answer to his look his voice rang through the house oh father what shall we do so let's see this is when um, they decide to run off to, uh, they're going to, like, leave Utah. So Yeah, and they go with Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when, and then it's later Jefferson, uh, not Jefferson, Farrier is killed and uh, Lucy is kidnapped and taken back to Utah. To be a child bride. Lovely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, so there's the chapter five is called the avenging angels. And this is when, let's see. Um, this is Jefferson is going to get his, uh, re like he's gonna, he's looking for Lucy. Mm-hmm. And after hearing the, <laughs> sorry, but after hearing the description of Jefferson, I had no idea. I was like, oh, oh, he a mountain man. Oh, he's a, he like a, a rough man. All right. <laughs> oh, and get this. Okay. So John Ferrier. Oh, maybe it's not a good thing. But John Ferrier, formerly of Salt Lake City, died August 4th, 1860. My birthday is August 4th. So. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh. Let's see. What has become... Uh, oh, let's see. So this is... Jefferson is back in Utah, and he's... Uh, uh, let's see. He was still speculating speculating as to what this might... Oh. Okay, let me back up. Thence he could look down upon the home of the saints. Worn and exhausted, he learned upon, leaned upon his rifle and shook his gaunt hand fiercely at the silent, widespread city beneath him. Oh, my God. My... My dog just started licking my feet. Okay, anyway. Um, (laughs) As he looked at it, he observed that there were flags in some of the principal streets and other signs of festivity. He was still speculating as to what this might mean when he heard the clatter of horses' hooves and saw a mounted man riding towards him. As he approached, he recognized him as a Mormon named Cowper, to whom... Cowper? 
the hell kind of name is that? Actually, Camper. Actually, if, if you've watched Bridgerton, there's a family called the Cowpers. No, I haven't. <gasps> no. Girl. Oh, my God. Anthony Bridgerton could do all the things. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> season two. Okay, so let's little tangent. Season one has Roger Jean. What's his last name? Batista, I think. It's, anyway, Roger Jean. It's gorgeous. And that's very, like, very much like a, like, they don't hold anything back with the sex. Like, they show oh. all the things. And it's <laughs> fantastic. But also, at the same time, it's like, oh, oh, my. But then the second season is more just like a, it's like a sexual tension the whole time. And you're just like, oh, God, just <laughs> do it already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, uh, have to, I'll have to get on that <laughs> anyway and, uh, fun fact though Jonathan Bailey who plays Anthony Bridgerton actually plays for my team so sorry ladies oh nice <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see where was I was, um, I got distracted by Cowper because <laughs> oh yeah Cowper <laughs> To who, okay, Mormon named Cowper to whom he had rendered services at different times. He therefore rendered services. That sounds dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he therefore accosted him when he got up to him with the object of finding out what Lucy Ferrier's fate had been. I am Jefferson Hope, he said. You remember me. It that's a statement, not a question. All right. The Mormon looked at him with undisguised astonishment. Indeed, it was difficult to recognize in his tattered, unkempt wanderer with ghastly white face and fierce wild eyes the spruce young hunter of former days. Having, however, at last satisfied himself to his, as to his identity, the man's surprise changed to consternation. You are mad to come here, he cried. It is as much my, as my own life is worth to be seen talking with you. There is a warrant against you from the Holy Four for assisting the farriers away. It's kind of weird to call them the Holy Four. That's just so... Could you imagine if they called them the Holy Four now? I was just thinking, I kind of want to start calling them that now because it sounds culty. I mean, the First Presidency also sounds culty. We're just more used to it, you know? Yeah. 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 Ooh, the Holy Four. What? They need to make a movie. Someone needs to make a movie of this if it doesn't exist already. Yeah. Yeah. They probably... Hmm... That's probably why they, one of the reasons they haven't is because of like all the, but side note too, I don't know if you knew the Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh is, yeah. It's a, there's a TV, there's a mini series of it. Where? It's going to be on Hulu. I don't know if it's released yet, but I think it's later <gasps> this Oh, <month. gasps> yes. Oh, and it like, I saw the preview of it and it actually shows like temple stuff and like. Oh, I'm so excited. That's one of my favorite books, I think. Oh, it's I need to read it. So, oh, it's so good. You have to read it. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put it on my list. That's like ever growing. And well, anyway. <sighs> All right. So, okay. I, I just uh, Googled it. There is a movie, A Study in Scarlet. It's the first is? British. Yeah. The first British. British feature film to depict Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. It was made by George Pearson, and uh, the film focuses on murder and intrigue amongst the Mormons in America. But this was made in 1914, so someone needs to redo it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's way... They need... All right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back on track. My apologies. 
so no you're good this it's just this whole thing so this interaction with this mormon is like basically that he's like the mormon is also scared it sounds like he's scared for his life too Mm -hmm. which tracks also but he's also so he's talking to cowper and then So it says, where are you going? Never mind, he answered, and slinging his weapon over his shoulder, strode off down the gorge and so away into the heart of the mountains to the haunt of the wild beasts. Amongst them all, there was no none so fierce and so dangerous as himself. Okay. <laughs> the prediction of the Mormons was only too well fulfilled. Whether it was the terrible death of her father or the effects of the hateful marriage into which she had been forced, poor Lucy never held up her head again, but pined oh. away and died within a month. Oh, so she, like, died from a broken heart. Yeah. I so mean, even, yeah, it doesn't like even that little um, background didn't like explain. Um, yeah, like, but I mean, yeah, can you imagine help. you were you were trying to run away with the love of your life and your father, and they come and kill your father and kidnap you and force you to marry an old Mormon? Yeah, yeah, I'd be Gross. depressed too. Yeah, yeah. Her sottish husband, who had married her principally for the sake of John Ferrier's property, did not affect any grief in his bereavement, but his other wives mourned over her and sat up with her at night, the night mm-hmm. before the burial, as is the Mormon custom. Hmm. Huh. I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know that they, maybe they did that. I don't know. Don't yeah. do that anymore. No, definitely not. They just make uh, funeral potatoes. Funeral potatoes. <laughs> it's so good, though. Oh, my God. My mom makes, makes them, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I eat all of it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they were grouped around the beer, beer, B-I-E-R, is that beer? beer? beer. Yeah. In the yeah. early hours of the morning, when to their inexpressible fear and astonishment, the door was flung open, and a savage-looking, weather-beaten man in tattered garments strode into the room. Garments. Not He's actual not garments. garments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, do they even have garments at this point? I don't even know. They, if they did, have but they were like they were um they were different than they were like you know those uh what are they called union suits? Is that what they're called? Like the the long the pajamas oh, that men would yeah. wear back in the day with like the the butt. Yeah, it's like a like an adult onesie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's what they were like. Back yeah, then. okay. So, um, and they, I think they still have the symbols on them and everything. Maybe, yeah, because yeah, uh, Joseph Smith, um, had gone yeah, through yeah. the masonry stuff, and so yeah, so they had those little that. symbols on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, I don't know what the, I think the women's were the same, obviously. Yeah. Were, now that well, you're saying that, I remember I researched it for one episode, and they even had it would like tie up here at the neck. Mm-hmm. It even had like yeah. a. Ew. Almost looked like a shoelace that it would like tie, and then oh. it would go all the way down to your end of wrist. your wrist and like tie. So every inch of you was like covered, except for like your feet and hands, I guess. Ew, that's even worse than what it is today. That's comfy, right? Yeah, comfy, cozy. <laughs> Let me just sit in this like Ooh. big old sack. <laughs> no air conditioning. You're just Ew. hot as hell. Mm-mm. Talk about swamp crotch. Talk Ew. about it. <laughs> Crutches have come up to- way too much in this uh, I mean, are we surprised? Are we? Um, no, <laughs> surprises me anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is uh, our our man Jefferson giving being the avenging angel. He says, without a glance or a word to the cowering women, he walked up to the white, silent figure which had once contained the pure soul of Lucy Ferrier. Oh. 
Stooping over her, he pressed his lips reverently to her cold forehead, and then snatching up her hand, he took the wedding ring from her finger. She shall not be buried in that, he cried with a fierce snarl, and before an alarm could be raised, sprang down the stairs and was gone. So strange and so brief was the episode that the watchers might have found it hard to believe it themselves or persuade other people who had it not been for the undeniable effect that the circlet of gold, which marked her as having been a bride, had disappeared. Hmm. So he's basically like, she's not going to be buried as a bride to that man. Yeah, and he Um, takes the ring and he goes to find... Those assholes that kidnapped her. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. So that's, I won't go into more of that. I think that's the bulk of like where he talks about the Mormons and stuff. And then, um, then it goes into like how Drebber and Stangerson and how um, they fled to London and then uh, Hope followed them there. And then uh, he killed killed them. them. And then that's where Holmes comes in and just, Figures it all out, and then, um, but then the the glory of the discovery goes to the other detective. That's so sad. And then Jefferson dies. I know. Of an aneurysm, which sounds terrible. What a heartbreaking book. Yeah. And it's not even that long. Like, I, it's like, let's see. Yeah. So... Like, you can basically Google a PDF of it. Um, so I found this article about from the Smithsonian Magazine. Um, it's about uh, how Sir or Conan, Arthur, Conan Arthur, am I getting it right? Conan Arthur Doyle, Arthur Conan yeah. Doyle, Arthur Conan Doyle. Anyway, um, how he was... Uh, among many authors in that day that were fascinated with Mormonism. Yeah. Um, so in November ni- 1887, a young writer named or- Arthur Conan Doyle published his first story about a soon-to-be-famous fictional detective, Sherlock Holmes. The dark tale, which appeared in Re- Beaton's Christmas Annual, was titled A Study in Scarlet. Some of its most dramatic parts are set in the Salt Lake Valley in Utah in 1847 and follow a non-Mormon's interactions with the Mormon followers of Brigham Young. The novel paints a bleak portrait of Mormonism. The story includes forced marriage and violence, two things that were part of the British view of Mormons at the time. Well, and it was real. Accurate. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, not just the British view. That really happened. That kind of stuff really happened. Yeah. So apparently there were um, other, like, uh, there was, uh, Rhett, Rudyard Kipling was also really fascinated with Mormons. Um, there was a couple other ones, but Sherlock, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is like the one of the ones that like stood out the most because he became like kind of, he very was very much into spirituality and like um, yeah. he became uh, into like the like tarot readings oh, and yeah. like, um, seances and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, and he himself, like, later proclaimed to be kind of like a spiritual leader. So, it's mm. kind of interesting that he was, like, so against Mormons and, like, Brigham Young. And then he, like, starts his own. Little yeah. Thing. That's always fascinating. Yeah. I remember Mark Twain was re- interested in the Mormons, Mark Twain was too. Another one there, Very but, much didn't yeah. like them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, when it came out, Han- Hal Schindler wrote in the Salt Lake Tribune in 1984, it provoked no great stir as a story, nor did it especially signal the immense popularity for which its author and his creation were destined. 
It did, however, wrinkle Mormon missionaries to England and sorely tested the tolerance of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in America. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, literally nobody cared about the Mormons. They were just like... <laughs> They're like, don't talk... <laughs> I feel like Mormons, they, like, hate when you just talk about them, about the actual facts that happened. They're mm-hmm. like, no, that, that sounds bad. But it's like, just... I don't know. Accept that your history is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and don't get all up in arms about it. Like, it happened, you know? Just don't try to cover it up. But they do try to cover it up. Yeah. Yeah, they don't ever even... Um, admit that they were like but then they they do it so much that they do like this little like okay well it was this like with polygamy that was accepted at the time marriage to young women was accepted at the time but then you talk about like uh like rape and like forced marriage yeah. stuff like that and it's like oh but that's that's that that didn't happen it was all but, consensual it was all this you know like they that, don't even take into consideration that like girls that are 14 years old can't consent and yeah, the the spiritual coercion of it all. Like you have to do it or your family won't get to heaven. Like that's not consensual. You're yeah, you're coercing them into it. Yeah. Coercing a child into it. So speaking of, this is a little tiny tangent. Tiny tangent time. <laughs> anyway. Um Tennessee just got rid of their um minimum age requirement for marriage, consenting to marriage. So now it's twelve years old. It used oh to be 16, God. and now... Why? And that's actually their age of consent now, is 12 years old. Why would any rational thinking person think that's okay? I don't know, but it's hap- like it's gonna it's spreading. There's other laws like that that are, that are happening throughout the country. It's wild. I hate it here. I know, I know. <sighs> ah, gross. Uh, anyway, so let's see. Um, at the time he wrote the story, Conan Doyle had never even been to America. His choice of Mormons portrayed as rapacious murderers in his work, which uh, <laughs> reflected English beliefs about the primarily American faith. So, yeah. Though the story didn't make a huge splash at the time, over the years it helped shape how British people perceived Mormons. But it was part of a larger trend. Doyle's sensationalistic portrait of the Mormons had drawn upon what was already an extensive body of commentary in the British press. Since the late 1830s, when the Mormons had begun to attract English converts, a growing number of journalists, travel writers, and novelists had been stoking the English public's curiosity about this strange American sect with its message of a new revelation and a restored biblical theocracy. These British writers were best ambivalent about Mormons. On the one hand, polygamy was a bad fit with Victorian values. But on the other, he writes, some English commentators started to identify with the Mormons, celebrating their establishment of a thriving colony on the Utah Plateau as a great vanguard movement of Anglo-Saxon settler colonialism. Well, that's a mouthful. Ew. But yeah. Ugh. I don't like that. Yeah. For Conan Doyle, Mormons were at once sort of English Christian, white, and descended from English people or from England themselves and profoundly exotic. His choice to put Mormonism at the center of a story would have attracted the attention of the reading public. It certainly helped Doyle and Sherlock rise to fame. So that's basically like the bulk of it. Like of um he like that was the start of Sherlock Holmes, yeah. like some anti-Mormon rhetoric, but like That's actually like super 
accurate portrayal of how it actually was with Brigham Young and his time. I know. It's really fascinating that he got so much of it so right without yeah. knowing that or didn't they say he didn't have much interaction with them? It was just uh-huh. from what he gathered. Been to America, yeah. Like especially at that time, they couldn't just Skype on over like we're doing yeah. right and now. And they couldn't Google it. They couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah, he had to just do it from what he knew of them. I That's wonder. It makes me wonder if he knew of one or like knew somebody knew somebody. He must kind of have. Yeah, yeah, to, to hear those stories sort of, and yeah. get those inside. Yeah, the inside. I mean, even just to know those names, Brigham Young yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah. And yeah. it's weird to me that they, then I was also thinking, when I was talking to my coworker, I was like, well, there was a lot of like missionaries at the beginning of the the church that they, Joseph Smith sent, yeah, Joseph J-Dog sent a <laughs> bunch of um, missionaries to England. So that yeah. would make sense that there would be a lot of, um, yeah, people who might know about at it. Least there would be word of mouth about it kind of yeah. thing happening. Didn't he send a bunch to England and then marry their wives? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, it's like bye get out of the way bye. go back to England your... I'm going to marry your wife okay bye fucking <laughs> <laughs> J-Dog fucking <laughs> J-Dog yeah that's no that's fascinating and now I'm just like I really I've talked about it a lot but I'm like someone needs to do a movie or like a mini series I feel like on HBO or something like detailing um Maybe the like the life story of yeah, like even I don't know if you'd start with J Dog or you could just start with Brigham Young and I feel oh, like yeah. you could show so much shit like it would be very violent and disturbing, but it would be so cool to see that actually portrayed and you know that the Mormons would hate it, but oh, oh they're gonna hate <laughs> under the banner of heaven and uh, <gasps> I, I'm so excited. Do you remember when Big Love came out? Yes, that we was talked like about that big... on that episode too. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I yeah. It took me forever to actually watch that show just because, like, it had been so, like, everybody was like, oh, they actually, they show the temple in there, and it, they talk about polygamy, and it's just wrong. It's the devil. So wrong, and, and it's on H. that, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that came on, and it was on HBO, and then HBO was even more, like, demonized by the Mormons. You know, it already was, because it showed boobs, heaven yeah. forbid, but... <laughs> But now it shows peen, which is great, but, you know. All the peen on Game of Thrones, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I didn't watch Big Love until maybe just a few years ago. Because yeah. of that, I was still kind of like, oh, but, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was really good. It's funny, because uh, my first interaction, my first time watching Big Love, I haven't watched all of it still, but, like, um, the... I was when I was in the Navy. I my my friend Wendy. She like she was really religious, but like more like Christian and like she kind of she she's the one that took me to this prophetess that like um, we met under this like tent and everything. I was super chill. I was like she was like she was all sweet and talking about Jesus and I was like oh this is fine this is great. And then all of a sudden she starts yelling and like dancing around and like everybody's like standing on their feet and I was like oh oh my god what's happening what the fuck. And then she starts healing people, and like people were falling down on the ground, and I was just and she, like doing the shaking thing, and she was like getting really into it. Like music started playing, and I was like, oh my god, I what's happening? What's happening? Are snakes gonna come out right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> like I was a little scared. That hey. yeah. <laughs> but I also so Wendy would take me to that. That was her favorite, and then um, she also took me to uh, Messianic Jew, which I actually kind of liked. But it was a little weird to me because it was like they were doing Jewish things, but they were talking about the 
New Testament too. So oh. like, uh, that's the whole thing is they're Jew, Jewish that believe in Jesus as the son of God. Interesting. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Messianic, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, and we also did some of their little, uh, not little, they're like, they did the, I think I've talked about this before. It's the Passover thing, but it's not the, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, what's it called? The, uh, you have a plate set aside for e- Elijah? Anyway. So I'm so not. <laughs> whole feast that you do, and you do, oh, yeah, like, yeah. like uh, everything's kind of symbolic, and then you do, like, this. And I was like, I don't, do I really belong here? Like, I don't, yeah. And I really just, like, tried to, like, more just kind of humor my friend Wendy, and I also was, like, a little intrigued, because I was like, that was interesting to, just, like, see these other religions and see how they do things, you know? But, like, eh. I've soon like went my anyway. The reason why I brought her up is because she's the one that like she found out I was Mormon and she's like, "Have you watched Big Love?" And so she introduced. She's like, "So we would watch it together every once in a while." She's like, "Is this really how it is?" I was like, "Well, kind of, yeah, sorta, yeah, mm-hmm, yep, <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, yep." The circle scene—that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy. Anyway, so well, that was fascinating. Like. Yeah. I, it's so amazing that you um, had me on for this because Sarah just told me about it and I didn't even know. I didn't realize that that's where the Sherlock Holmes like started. Yeah, yeah, I yeah neither did I actually until like a week ago. <laughs> or like nice. Yeah. Listeners, I was supposed to do this with Katie last week, but then I double booked myself and I'm really smart and I organized and, you know, it's fine. It's cool. We aren't going to talk about that. Anyway, I don't know why I mentioned that, but. um... Uh, Yeah, we've already determined that you don't use your planner, so it's fine. (laughs) I mean, I totally do. It's color coded. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. Well, that's, I'm, I'm also really glad you did that because now I don't, I mean, I guess I could go read it, but I feel like I know it already now. So you say read most of the it reading. Too, yeah. So yeah. Like, like it's really, really short. Cause it was, it was published in like a newspaper basically. So like, Oh yeah, that's it. Really short, like right. five chapters or something like that. So it's a quote unquote book, you know, it's not really that, that long. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. <laughs> Good work. Yeah. Thank um, you. I was actually prepared, kind of. We had technical difficulties, and then, you know, I was like, anyway. Um, but thank you so much for being on. You're, oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Was, I love it. I know we've been talking about doing more episodes, and, like, yeah, but we'll do, we'll definitely yeah. have you back, and I'll, yeah. Maybe we'll get Sarah on here, like, to, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's 100% it. Molly Mormon. <laughs> Uh, not though so. well, <laughs> yeah have me back anytime I love it <laughs> okay.